Welcome back to Season 2 of High on Tour with Victor Pino and April Black. On this episode, April and I catch up and sit down with return High on Tour guest and friend of the show, Season George of Five Sisters Farm in Humboldt County. When we first interviewed Season a little over a year ago, we learned her story and how her Southern California upbringing prepared her for a life as a regenerative cannabis farmer in the heart of the Emerald Triangle. From contending with the perils of local permitting to surmounting the challenges she faced as a young mother entering the local cannabis landscape as an outsider, Season is no stranger to hard work. April and I catch up with Season in late September 2022 as she prepares for her harvest after a successful cannabis tourism season as a stop along a popular tour with our friends at Humboldt Cannabis Tours. So buckle up, roll one up, and smoke them if you got them. You're about to get high on tour with Season George from Five Sisters Farm in Humboldt County, California. Every year, millions of global travelers flock to California in search of the world's finest cannabis. Our job is to get these travelers very high and show them a great time. It's not always as easy as you think. Join us, your heady hosts and cannabis tour guides, Victor Pino and April Black, as we spend an hour each episode trimming back the storied nuggets of life in the weed tourism game. We'll be joined by our friends, colleagues, and cannabis tourism legends from across the globe. So get on board the weed bus, buckle up, and as always, smoke them if you got them. You're about to get high on tour with Victor Pena and April Black. Sometimes I feel it's a little bit of a burden because, you know, I, I'm trying to represent the whole spectrum of what the farmers are here. And I'm sure if anybody's ever been to Humboldt <laughs> it's, and the Emerald Triangle, that's a huge spectrum. Right. <laughs> we're that's also true. unique. Yeah, we're also yep. unique. Right. And we all have something really special to showcase. And, you know, it, uh, I went to an economic development meeting, which is a county office. And they are also the office that um, is awarded the trellis money and administers the trellis money. Right. And, um, that's, that's the grant money that I received. And I went to that. It's called the road show. And when they Tourism was some was a subject that they really wanted to talk about because they see that as being like one of the you know shining lights of like how we can salvage Southern Humboldt, um, and so it was an, an honor to be able to speak on that and actually have some positive, um, you know, record to show that there's growth there when other businesses are not necessarily experiencing growth. So I was so happy to have years of records to be able to present. And what I said was, I really wish the county would relax their, um, their ordinances and regulations on tourism, because look at how much growth I'm experiencing. Look at how good this is for my business. More farmers should have access to that. Or, you know, so for me, you know, I really want to share that. Tell me, tell me, I mean, I'm sure April, you've got a ton of questions. I know you've got a ton of questions. Yeah, we'll have a few. uh, Yeah, but yeah, but I want to, I want to kind of drive us into the, the conversation about you have seen a very big change 
from when we started talking about cannabis tourism to when we had our conversation last year around this time to now, right? There's been about three years, four years of change in all of that. And tell me a little bit about the earliest tours you've, you've, you've done under this new schema against what you've been seeing kind of like in the past couple of months. Um, for me, it seems like those first tourists were mostly from California, you know, um, and just curious, maybe more like wanting to know about the business side and wanting to know information, like if they were going to start up their own backyard grow, you know, like, like local people and this, and I had a few that came from the Philippines, but this year, most everybody was from out of the state and several people from out of the country. And what really, um, I was surprised to, I, we got in deep conversation with a, a whole family from France. It was a mother and father, their son, maybe two sons, and then one of the son's wives. And they said that there was in, in like an economic magazine an article about this region and like what's you know like that what's happening in the region and the and the idea of like the origins council like also having and to me that like hearing that they are reading about um us all the way in france that there's somebody studying what's happened to our model and what we're trying to do to preserve our you know our relevance as far as, as like our regional relevance or, or our terroir, you know, how do, how do we mm-hmm. get that? That to me really, it kind of, it makes me proud that I can be a source of information to them, but it's also like, oh man, we're getting a lot of attention. And these people, I believe we're coming from, you know, I don't think that they came all the way from France just to come to a cannabis tour. I'm sure that they had other things to do, but I'm but, sure that, but I'm sure that instance of seeing that magazine definitely drove their idea about, Hey, maybe we should go t- visit five sisters. Far. Like, you know, also, you know, I have found that more people, Matt has reported that there are people who either read the reviews or have some sort of, um, you know, find out about five sisters farms and that they are booking to come like when they book, they're like, I want to make sure that one of the stops is Five Sisters Farm. Yeah. And so to me, that is really flattering. And also lets me know that the messaging is working enough to when it leaves off of the farm and gets put in print or it gets put word of mouth from a friend of theirs talking about it, that it's compelling enough for them to want to come see it for themselves. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're doing you- you're doing something that I don't think you're, you're receiving that level of feedback from Matt. I don't think I've ever gotten anyone on my tours in the years that I've been doing it um, that have actually requested to go to specific farms. I think that's cool in that. I think that speaks, speaks highly of how well you are doing to market your brand and market your, your, your product, which is five sisters farm as, as, as a stop along the, you know, the cannabis trail. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. I've definitely gotten more confident and, you know, when I first opened, I just launched with, because I was so eager really to just, I was, I had waited so long. I had worked so hard 
but you know, I don't have a flushing toilet, you know, I don't have a freaking a zip line or like a dab bar. I don't have, you know, there's no bells and whistles to this tour. It is literally just the garden and me talking about whatever those people are hoping to get from the tour. You know, yeah, I have so to come, take yeah, us okay. on the tour. Just take us on the tour from beginning to end and like the typical tour. Well, I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if Matt wishes I didn't say this, but for me, I really like to let people know because there's so many people who are like, wow, I've never seen so much weed. Like guys just see their eyes get really big. And I right away kind of say like, welcome to five sisters farm. You, this is one of the state's smallest cultivation licenses. Like I want them to know, like, this is not a lot of weed. (laughs) Yeah. But how many plants is it? It's about 350. Oh, mind blown. I've never seen that many plants in my life. And and they're tall. Right. They're big. You know, to me, um, so I say that, you know, I I right away thank them for valuing the Emerald Triangle enough to take a tour. And um, right away, I have to kind of read the people. I, I ask them where they're from. I ask them what their cannabis background are. Are you a consumer? And I'm really surprised at how many people say, no, I'm not a consumer. Yeah. But yeah. people who are not consumers are that curious and feel safe enough to come yeah. on and talk that to me. I'm always even more flattered when they say they're not. I love it. I love <laughs> it. When I also, I have like, for example, yesterday I had a tour with a few couples. Uh, one of the couples, uh, the 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 person who bought the tour she had not ever smoked weed had no interest in smoking weed but her her partner this you know this very you know uh, like towering dude right yeah um he smoked a lot of weed and she was and i thanked her i was like yo thank you for buying him this tour she's like i just i just like to see him in his element i like to see him happy and i come along for the ride and it's like I, I love that. I love that about people. And I love that. I love when I hear that. I've definitely seen more than I would say three, maybe five wives surprising their husband with the yeah. tour where yeah. the tour was a surprise gift to mm-hmm. them and the wives really don't consume, but right. the husband so like in candy land, you know, right, and right. That, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How, what a lovely way to be a part of showing affection, you know, in couples and something to unite them. Like maybe she doesn't understand what the big hype is about cannabis. So she's saying he's into it, but I'm also curious, you know, like if it's something important to your spouse, of course you'd want to know about it. You know, you'd want to a little better. So it's, I love being like a safe and like kind of playful form of access to right, where right. not just like a hardcore sales gimmick or whatever. No, totally. And that's another thing <laughs> I drive home. Yeah. I drive yeah. home. I drive that point home on my tours. It's like, look, I mean, for the most part, unless I'm on a private event that's paid for by a specific company, my tours are not sponsored by any particular right. brand. I tell you what I tell you from my personal experience and from my yeah. background and my my perspective of like where I'm standing and all this, right? So right. and I and I try not to squander that because you're you're I mean that that's that's a lot of you know you're 
you're earning someone's trust when you say that and when you do those things and, you know, squandering it by just giving it away to the, the highest bidder would, you know, if somebody gets, gets a review from you or gets a review on a product from you and it's not really what doesn't meet that expectation for them or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do it for them or it's not quality. It's, it's only going to undermine your, your authenticity and your, in your, you know, how much trust you've built. Yeah. And that's what people are really coming for is the authenticity. I think that's mm-hmm. why they choose or want to come to Five Sisters because they can see, like, for instance, what somebody once told me, it's not very often you go on a, like a brewery tour and you meet the, the owner operator, right. you know? So that I think is interesting to people that they are meeting the founder, the, the owner, you know, the operator, the farmer, like I, everything. Yeah. They can ask me any question and I'm going to give a heartfelt, you know, real answer. And they can also see things happening in real time. I was giving tours in early, like, like late May and early June and I didn't, I wasn't even planted yet, but people were interested in my companion planting, what I was doing to, to prepare the soil. I was able to show them how to sex a male and a female, like how old these seedlings are. This is what a seedling looks like in a container. This is what the clones look like. You know, like I was still able to give them a good startup, right. you know, point for them to take home and, and implement in their own gardens. And right. so there was, yeah. still, you know. And you I want was, people learning how to garden. I want people learning how to garden like you and intermixing plants and having that plant community and not just six pot plants in the backyard. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it might be, you know, more palatable to a neighborhood or a, you know, maybe you have a neighbor who's really concerned that, and they don't want to look at like black landscape cloth or like a little tiny hoop like they'd probably rather look at it in a landscape setting rather than some you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. special built structure that they've cornered off in their backyard for (laughs) exactly exactly i mean i'm right here i'm in a residential neighborhood and victor was here and he saw my little grow and i have a couple of plants that are in my garden bed like with my tomatoes that are all blended in and then i have my own bed uh separate bed for the cannabis but um, you got a little, I, you got some volunteers popping up here. Well, I I borrowed from Huckleberry Hill Farms and how Rose likes to put the creeping petunia in yeah. the plant. So I borrowed that from them. Thank you guys for the inspiration. Yeah. And I have had that creeping petunia in there since last year. And that did a really great as ground cover. And I just have like chamomile and uh, oregano and I had sunflowers. I have a lot of different plants. So all of those that you mentioned, um, the petunias, if you feel, if you touch a petunia, it has a lot of hairs and it's very, very sticky itself. And it has a strong smell. If you like the wave petunias, those like those new cultivars, they're not as strong and, and sticky and smelly as like a, if you find like the more older ah. species. But those have like terpene increasing um, abilities and then the oregano, if you look at, at um, like natural insecticides, it's often time in oregano oil. So that's going to have natural pest deterrents. Those chamomile and the sunflowers, and those are both in the Asteraceae family. 
And those both ho- anything in that Asteraceae family, which is like a, a, a disc flower, like a daisy type flower, where it has like the disc in the middle and petals all the way around, that family hosts the same species of, as mycorrhi- of mycorrhizae that the cannabis hosts. The, ca- wow. the cannabis only hosts one species of mycorrhizae. When you go to buy mycorrhizae for cannabis, they give you like a hundred different species plus trichoderma. It's like, so it's, you're better off planting a perennial, like a rudbeckia, something in that Asteraceae family as like a mycorrhizae bank. And then planting your cannabis next to it because it's already alive. It's the specific strain. It's the strain that has already lived with cannabis the year before. So it's, you know, all of those things that make it easier to look at for your, you know, judgy neighbors or whatever (laughs) are actually improving the quality of your product. And so, and then that's what people learn on the tours is what, how, you know, these plants not only make it more fun to visit and look at, more charming, but they are actually all have a really important purpose that they're serving in the garden. Yeah. That's a lot to learn. You Mm -hmm. got a lot to offer some of your guests season. That's incredible. Like that's, that's, that's more than I can offer my guests, honestly, Um, (laughs) in terms of, in terms of like that you, you provide so much of that, that information that you just, you rely on every day to, to grow your garden. And so many people think it's like some foo-foo idea, you know, like, okay, yeah, that's, but when you see it in real time in front of you and you're able, somehow it drives at home, like, this is not just like some hippie concept, like these things are working and I- real. Oh, no, I got to tell you, I I shout out to, uh, to Craig over at Alpenglow in Denbow. Uh, Alpenglow Farms is a regenerative, a regenerative farm. Uh, that Craig and his family run um, up on the top of Benbow Hill in Humboldt County. I got to shout him out. He made me like the tours I did, the visit I did to his farm way back when, and more recently when I just get a chance to go hang out with him and visit with his family. Um, He made me a believer in regenerative Hugel culture. I mean, like Hugel culture. It's he, his farm is, I would say the one of the, you know, in my, small, you know, narrow view of Humboldt County, right? From where I'm standing, his farm is one of the more beautiful representations, one of the more perfect representations of what a Hugo cultured environment or Hugo cultured, yeah. uh, you know, terroir is all about. So I, I think that's beautiful. And I think, you know, if we can all just mimic a little bit of that in our own gardens, how much we would, how much better weed our weed would be and mm-hmm. how much better our earth would be in, you know, in our, in our growing soils and our mediums would be in everything just trickles down to a, a better outcome for all of us. So. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I love Craig. Craig is also, you know, within are the same certification groups as Dragonfly Earth Medicine and Sun and Earth Certified. And I'm really grateful to have those certifications to explain and identify for the guests to be able to take away and go to a dispensary and find many right. farms mm-hmm. as practicing the same farming practices, you know, um, 
as I am. It's a great way. It feels good. And I feel like I'm sharing my advantage to have tours when I can really promote a whole umbrella of growers that have been third-party certified and people know I'm not just like, buy it from this guy because he's my buddy and he lives up the street or whatever. (laughs) It's like have like an actual certification to stand behind. It gives it more legitimacy. And I'm just really grateful that there's so many of us who have been certified in this region. I mean, to me, Victor and April, I would love to do like a sun and earth certified tour. You know, like, could we arrange it? Like, say they don't have to have a tourism event, but if we just did one weekend a year, you know, or something like that, where we just had like a big celebration. That would be awesome. You know, know, like that's my dream to like somehow really share this advantage because it is about this location and the county. I understand why they want they put those parameters on us. You know, I definitely understand and I want to respect that, but at, you know, I'm still encouraging them to find ways that we, that other farms can experience this joy because it honestly gives me so much strength and encouragement to see that there, there's a vast majority or, you know, that, that there are consumers out there seeking this out, wanting to understand it, feeling so happy to know, you know, get the, get the vocabulary to be able to engage with the bud tender, to be able to like ask for the type of product that they want. They feel, they leave here feeling way more confident to where that they're going to not just, you know, try to look for it through the certification. They're going to go to their bud tender and really explain why they want that on the shelf, you know? And so to me, that's a huge benefit to all of us. And that's, yeah. I'm with that. I'm with that. It's very empowering to a consumer because it's confusing out there. And I go and speak on behalf of cannabis and cannabis tourism in my county. And the questions I get, it just really makes me realize that I am this wealth of information and that I have to share the information to break it down in digestible pieces. Yeah, totally. I mean, a lot of, I I take for granted a lot of times uh, how little. Uh, how very few of my guests actually uh, understand the the end to end of growing cannabis. A lot of folks know it grows in the ground. It grows, but you know, really, when you bring them out to a very agricultural setting, I mean, season your farm's a little different, right? But if <laughs> I'm going out to an acre of canopy in the middle of Mendocino, um, it's going to look and kind of feel like, you know, an agricultural environment. There's a lot of hoop houses. There's a lot of hoses running across the ground. There's, you know, you've got, you know, buckets, you've got, you know, uh, you know, soil stacked up in all over the place. You got, you know, plants, but you know, empty pots, the, the place looks very, uh, not like your place season, but, uh, but what I will say is most folks don't understand that it gets, it, it's very, very general ag feeling like nowadays a lot of the grows that we take folks onto that aren't you know that are a little bigger um you know they're still mom and pop a lot of them are you know small organizations but um they're you know one acre of canopy already starts to feel pretty big yeah it does and you know i think that when I was first trying to explain my vision, like I want to bring people are like to glamp on my weed farm. People like would look at me like, what, who the hell would want to 
camp on a weed farm because it is sometimes just like a work in progress and like stuff laying around and it's not like some like beautiful humble experience but and it's been a I have a big background in landscape design so for me it was you know easy to create a cultivation space that had an aesthetic to it and you know, that's another thing, April, I say when I welcome the um, guests is that this is one of the only cultivation spaces that was designed for tourism as far as like leaving it. Nice. Yeah. Leaving open spaces. Like I have a little route that I take them on. And when I take them down the narrow, tall, you know, um, trenches, we turn and we then are on these Hugel spaces. But when we turn the corner, the hugels are staggered, so it leaves a big open space for us to turn the corner and me to sit there and talk with the group and have yeah. like lines behind me. Yeah. So it's like I have to think about like what are these people looking at behind me? Like make sure that they're not looking into the sun. Make sure, you know, like having all of these um considerations. Yeah, yeah. so thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. So space for them to gather and also enough space for them, maybe two or three people to walk down an, an aisle. Right. Oh, it's like, it, to me, it's really fun to have a garden, a cultivation space designed for people engagement. And I think that's definitely unique to this garden. 100%. I've really valued that people engagement, that community component so much that I've actually left space for it. Yeah. I've designed the plants, the product around the people. And I think that is totally unique yeah. to any. Yeah. I think that's, I think that you're right. I mean, uh, I, I got to tell you from, from my perspective, uh, you know, I've asked me how many times I've said to my, my, myself, my colleagues, my friends, like if only there were a six plant show grow in Oakland or, or San Francisco that I could just bring someone by all the time to. And it seems like something so simple, right? Some six plant grow. But I mean, again, it's just like having the ability to consider, Hey, all those things is pretty lucky of you because you know, you, you are, you are basically, you're crafting the experience for the, for the, uh, the experience C, right. For the person yeah. who is ex the experiential experience, right. The experiential, <laughs> the immersive experience inside also, the plants is being me, crafted. Yeah. Yeah. And for me too, because I don't want to cringe every time, you know, people are like, slap happy running down the aisles because I've made my aisles too narrow that they're breaking colas with their oh, shoulders. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> like, thinking, oh my gosh. People to be able to like, you know, like feel free and, you know. It's the weed petting the zoo. It's like, it's like you can just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the touch experience in weed. It's like everybody just <laughs> wants to run through a field of weed, right? It's so funny. Most people now, I mean, it's more and more fun as the buds mature, you know, and right now oh, they're yeah. fully mature buds and people are like, I could tell like they want to touch it, but they don't know how, uh -huh. you know, they're just like, <laughs> they're looking at it. They're like, they, they're afraid to like put their hand on it in front be of gentle, me. Gentle, be gentle. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> using like a loaf of bread or something. Yeah. <laughs> like you could put your hand, I, I tell them like grab it from the top and like give it just a gentle and then, Smell your hand, honestly. Yeah. Pat it, <laughs> pat it, you little, know, give it a just little a touch. Little gentle squeeze. A little gentle squeeze. No squeezing, just a little gentle. A loaf of bread. 
Yeah, a little gentle, you know, brushing of the undersides of the fan leaves or something. Yeah, that's a little uh, <laughs> And so we could really see the difference between the the um, the the trichomes and which ones were ready for harvest and which ones weren't. And that I realized I need to buy, like, I don't normally, I don't always have a group of five people, but when I brought the loop out, I only had two. And it was like, you could definitely see people like, Hey, Hey, you've had enough time with that. I want to. Oh, you gotta get one of those those scopes, the the scopes that plugs into the little TV. Into your phone. Yeah. Into your phone. have one and I don't know why I didn't bring it out. I just, you know, maybe if we get a few more, I'll bring that one out. But I do I was have gonna a say, scope. yeah, you could plug in a scope and just take care well, of that all day. That kind of sets me up for the next question because I was thinking, do you have any harvest activities planned for the next few weeks for the rest of the season? I, you know, activities as far as like, yes, I'm I'm harvesting a couple people from this last tour ask like do you ever have people like will you set up a like an experience of getting people to harvest and I was like honestly I don't know how that would work as far as like you know like a woofing it would almost have to be like set up through woofers or something I would have them just stand over there maybe after federal legalization (laughs) you could probably offer that on woof yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, I just don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I've pressed, you know, pushed the envelope so much and I have <laughs> on quite a bit and been able to adapt and, you know, make it, make it work to where it didn't affect me negatively. You know, like yeah. I, I opened up another leg of the business and found time to <laughs> give a lot of tours, you know, over, over 150 this summer. Wow. Awesome. 80 in the month of June and months of June and July. Wow. Now that's quite a bit. Yeah. Did you have a lot of campers too? Um, yeah, but not as many as I've had in the past and that's okay. What I did have was a few groups rent out the whole place cool. and, I, and that was fun. The second group, was young professionals, probably younger than me, probably making more money than me. They had really nice <laughs> good camping equipment, you know, and they were not interested in cannabis at all. And I found one of their friends in the garden, like just kind of taking like pictures and selfies, you know, and he looked like I caught him doing something. Oh, he was like, shoot. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's okay. It's okay. And then I kind of like tried to engage with him a little bit and he just got this huge smile on his face. He's like, I've never smoked weed in my life. Just all <laughs> And I'm just thinking that is the cutest thing ever. Cause he looked so excited. Like his face just looked, you know, and he yeah. was just like, you know, just imagine if you've never smoked weed in your life, never been that interested in like, this is one of your first experiences with this. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. This beautiful <laughs> cannabis farm. that's hilarious actually like that is a busted right you busted him taking selfies but at the end their big group picture that they wanted to do as people were breaking off and you know people were packing up and leaving they wanted to get a big group picture and they came and asked me and they it was all they like staged it in front of like the big plants you know (laughs) so they weren't like ashamed you know they weren't the person who booked it knew it was a cannabis farm, but it, I was kind of surprised because of their age, either age that they, they could have been eating mushrooms. 
They're like, we want to stay in this cannabis farm because we're going to eat mushrooms. And we know that the lady's going to be cool. Yeah. All right. I, I have a question. I have a question, Season. Um, give us the breakdown of as best you can. I know it's kind of anecdotal at this point without any hard numbers, but yeah. uh, Seasons Farm, Five Seasons Farms. Five, five sisters five farm. Sisters. Five. I'm sorry. Five. Five sisters farms. Wow, the weed is getting to me. Five <laughs> sisters farm. Uh, by the numbers. Uh, tell us demographic wise, what are you seeing and where are they coming from? Wow. Um, a lot of people from the Midwest, probably in their late 30s on up to the, their 50s, and not um, the the young people that have come are mostly from California. I would say I've had a, a vet who was 65 come from South Carolina. He was a hoot to hang out with. I mean, oh, he was vet. Uh huh. And then um, a few people from out of the country. And quite a few people from France this, this year, wow, wow. They maybe, you know, three different groups from France. And, um, those were like families, um, traveling. And then also one interesting thing, which I was really proud to take part of was I was a stop on the nature summit, which is something Ooh. that's HSU. And those were people who traveled as a group together, almost like a summer camp type thing for like adult children and their families. And, uh, and yeah. And so those people, there were like doctors and they were really, really drilling me a lot. And by the end, I really had them relaxed. I feel like at first they were, it was totally out of, it was way out of their, for some people I could tell it was way out of their comfort zone, you know, and I was able to engage and talk about so many other concepts. This is what I love about this garden is that we're able to talk about concepts way outside of cannabis and the cannabis world. We're able to talk about um, genetic diversity, soil conservation, what it means to be an artisan, what it means to have heritage farming practices, what it means. I mean, these conversations get more philosophical than, than, Hey dude, here I am. Glad to meet you. This is where you can buy my pre-rolls, you know? And I, and that, um, you know, for me, that is the real value is that I see cannabis as like a catalyst to be able to expand people's minds always, but for me to have, for, for them to come to a cannabis tour and learn so much more, um, about environmentalism or, you know, there's a historical component. There's just, the conversation is different every time. I don't have a script. I do have a way to kind of introduce myself and kind of get a read on the people, but there's never a tour that's ever the same, you know? And for me, I'm just so grateful that this plant is another avenue for me to get people to start thinking, you know, or think even more deeply about what it means to be, uh, existence on this earth. <laughs> like so, no, very existential, very self-discovery, uh, yeah. driven, you know, I look, I, I see the same thing on my tours. Um, yeah. not, not to the degree that, you know, a lot of times I'm driving the story of what's the narrative, right? I'm driving the right. narrative, but yeah. Uh, you know, you do get moments where 
uh, either for somebody they're having an aha moment about cannabis or I'll say something that I say almost every day in my life or, you know, something, you know, a little, little adage or a little, little quip that I'll say pretty regularly. But with that person, it'll resonate in a way where they just like, that's the thing that clicks and I see it in mm-hmm. their face. And in those moments, you feel like you've made a deep personal connection between that yeah. person in front of you and the plant and kind of what you're talking about there. Um, so I think there's a lot of power and value to that. And I think it's very rewarding for me as a cannabis tour operator. And I think it's probably rewarding for all three of us. I mean, as operators, well, most, right? Yeah. You I know? mean, I like you season have a, um, an ecological aspect to my tours and the one that's coming up, it's my buds and butterflies tour. Now that the monarch butterflies are coming back to nest yeah. here over winter in the central coast, I get to teach people all about that. And then I give everybody a packet of milkweed seeds. Hopefully That's they, right. You know, plant them and just, you know, save this species. We need them. And that really gets people to know, like, we're interdependent on each other. You know, like that, that, that butterfly needs a specific host to lay their eggs. And if we destroy the habitat of the native milkweeds, you know, let's at least uh, grow the, the ornamental ones, you know, because it's still... Uh, yep. Let's you know, help them out. it's really important. It's us as it's our responsibility. If we're going to be the reason why that habitat is being destroyed, then the least we can do is please plant milkweed in our garden. You know? Yes. So, yes. I mean, it's great that you're making that connection that like there are literal interspecies dependency because, you know, I think sometimes people don't understand what's going on under their feet or think of plants as a static thing, like, like an ornamental, like a painting on the, on the wall, or, you know, like definitely me as a landscape designer, you know, you couldn't get your building occupancy sign off until the landscape was done. And you'd see the construction people just like literally roll out as, as much sod as they could and plant like mm-hmm. two bushes by the front door and be like, done, you know, <laughs> and it's like landscaping can enhance your life so much, but, and it can also be a burden to your life if you don't do it right. You know, it's like, you know, we are connected to nature in so many ways. And when we lose that connection, we are all discombobulated. And so I'm like, I've always really been so honored to be someone who's had a position to like hold people's hand back to a garden of whatever kind of garden that may be, you know, and for it to be a cannabis garden now is like, like the a you know the apex of like all I could want really I mean it's really all of my little experiences as far as urban farming nonprofit you know like hey kids eat more vegetables like all of this awareness has like melted into me being able to be a really good garden educator I guess yeah. and and I'm just but that's like, that's, that's like one of the bullet points, right? Like that's yeah. one of the things you do because I mean, ultimately, like when you bring somebody through your tour, you're bringing them through your home, you're bringing them through, there's a lot, you're hosting someone. Like your heart so, and soul. Yeah. You're, it's everything yeah. about you that you're putting out there. And I think that I, you know, people, yeah. I think a lot of people who take tours recognize that. I think there's some people who don't recognize that. But there are people that there are people that when they take, you know, once you've taken my tour, right, once you've taken my tour up to Mendocino and you spent a full day with me, um, 
I make you a believer. I make you a believer in a lot of things, right? Like I make you a believer in this plant. I make you a believer in the process. I make you believe uh, in the reverence that I, I, I have for the plant. Um, you know, I, I, I make you a believer in all the things I believe in, um, by showing you a very like clear, uh, a very, a very clear demonstration of what it takes to bring this plant to market and how much love there is at every stage behind it when it's done the right way. And so, you know, I, I, I live by this, by this feeling that I, you know, like I'm doing a good thing by being that good steward of the garden. Like you're saying, yeah. you, you know, you, you end up being for your own place, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think, um, as we as we get deeper into cannabis tourism as a concept, um, you know, as we move forward into the future, you know, four or five years, we'll start to see other experiences. I think we're really a lot of us, you know, April's here at the cutting edge of what she's doing, um, you know, specifically, you know, in her in her market. Um, I've been doing this for a little bit here. Um, you know, Matt's doing his thing up in Humboldt. We've all kind of got our own little piece of this of this world, but I really do believe that this will grow and we will, uh, we will find new and interesting ways to incorporate, uh, the present time, the present moment into the, the space of the cannabis plant and kind of make it relevant for your customers and your guests. So, yeah, it, it is a, um, you know, I, I had to find my niche and be okay with not being a high-end spa with a pool and like a five-star chef, you know, and there's a lot of those cannabis experiences. Like I recently, one of my second to last tour was a young woman from South Carolina who had just, who had graduated with a culinary degree, had won some competitions. She's moving into the cannabis culinary space, which is so cool to see like, here's another, um, like moving the edge of another industry. Like she was interested in culinary school. Now she realizes there's less competition and less people in the cannabis culinary realms. And it's she touch points. Like, like, yeah. And so she came here, she was on a big tour with her family and she came on a solo trip to the farm and their next stop with the family was down to Palm Springs. And she actually had some like, like some parent, like some tasting dinner scheduled. She had some meetings with some chefs down there, but she came Humboldt was still an important leg to her to, for her to build on. She wanted to see the plant. She wanted to see the source. She wanted to understand really about what it means to have solventless hash and, you know, the different types of hash that you use and how they're made. I mean, she was somebody who was doing her research and an expert that was totally basically unrelated to cannabis as far as being a, you know, a chef and somebody who's dedicated her life to that culinary, you know, to that art form. And I just thought it was so smart of her. And she had super good questions for me at the end. She was really, she had, she had a list of questions and it was like, what would you do differently? What, what challenges do you experience as a woman? Like these like real, you know, like, like, and I'm like, wow, I'm shaping this young person's life right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, like to me, it was such a beautiful thing to see her take it so seriously, just so, so seriously. 
it wasn't just like, oh, okay. Like some people are like, hey, we're in Northern California. What's there to do? We'll take a weed farm, a tour, you know? And But this person came like with information to gather. And that, you know, I'm always so pleased to be able to contribute to someone like that. Yeah, for sure. That's great. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed by kind of the experiences uh, you are able to articulate for us season. You're, you're, you're a great, you're a great storyteller in and of yourself. Tell me a story. I want to know what was the hardest thing you've had to do this year? Uh, I know you've had kind of a, a stellar year in terms of getting some people on the farm, getting the farm some visibility, but what, what was the hard, what, what were the things to overcome? I feel like uh, some of my alliances dissolved and that that's hard, you know, I, and I, it's a lot of re reflection on like, what, what's my responsibility in my, and like, what role, what's my responsibility in that role? Like, how did I contribute to things not panning out? And so the, and also just feeling, I mean, there's so many huge things happening in the world. Sometimes I feel frivolous you know, and there's times when I have to, I do take a moment if the conversation allows and I can see that people are open to it on the tours to say, Hey, as we're out here recreating and taking selfies, there's still people in jail. You know, like these are things that I have to keep committed to the message to know, like, activism and change doesn't have to be like a struggle and violent, you know, it doesn't have to be some huge opposition. A lot of times it's more effective when it's gentle and the person is able to approach it and come to their own decision without feeling forced, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I love being a, an access point for maybe some, you know, self inquiry for people of like, you know, they didn't know the carbon footprint of an indoor dab or whatever. But for me this year, it has been hard to feel kind of alone, you know, not by you, Victor, you're always my friend (laughs) in in April. I feel like (laughs) those alliances are strong, but you know, and, 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 and it has to do with the times people are stressed. People can't, people are in survival mode, you know, and people act out when they're stressed and I'm, I'm, completely guilty of that. And so really I have you learned to use the tours as a source of grounding to know that the work is important and, um, that, you know, that there's so much work still to be done. You know, just me getting a tourism permit isn't, that's the beginning. That's not the end. You know, that was the goal, but you know, how do I really utilize that for the betterment and the preservation of sun-grown craft cannabis, you know? And, and to me, I've had to really stay committed to that, like that mission statement, whether or not people come in and out of my life or, you know, and just know that if I just stay on course, the right people will arrive. And like, you know, and really I'm like, I don't need alliances because look at all these people that I'm reaching on a weekly basis, you know, like whether or not we stay in contact or whether or not like this is, has a ripple effect and, um, just feeling, just trying to stay feeling like what I'm doing is relevant and not some frivolous, like, you know, thing. So you know, and, and one, one, and I think this is what Victor, when you and I were talking last week, 
this is what made you say, like, I wish we were recording this was my acknowledgement on the tours that of the, and explaining what equity is, what it means have be recognized as an equity producer, how the state and the county has developed programs for equity producers to support them. And to me, that is a huge step or a recognition of like cannabis as being like healing of the nations, because this is a government agency recognizing that there was undue hardships and people negatively affected. And they're finding ways to try to give us a way in as much as people want to complain about like corporate cannabis and how it's a takeover or whatever, you know, like we have to acknowledge. And because I am a recipient of these programs, that those programs exist and that there's tiny steps that they're taking and that it takes us to step up and engage in those programs and represent ourselves as equity producers. Um, And that, that is, you know, being, nearly, I feel like it's nearly an apology for them to give me that recognition and that financial support and that, you know, a little bit of a A reparative move. Yeah. Like that, that I feel like, and, you know, I've heard people say, call it reparations. And I'm like, man, that is not the context of what I thought reparations would be and how scary it must be for a government to start doling out reparations because there's a million other causes that can also like they you know were negatively affected and 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 there may be people feeling like well why does cannabis get it when there's so many other things and so but for me to try to step carefully and step in the path like keep being a positive example of that program you know like it's it, it gives a certain responsibility to show that you know i'm worthy of that and that we but to show that, that the whole industry needs it i mean everybody needs it right so i mean this is another thing and this is why we, we were talking about this right like you know when when i mention equity in the term like capital e equity equity programs yeah. equity partnerships um these are all programs that exist in california um you know at the state and a lot of times at the city level uh, to ensure that the people who have most detriment, who have been most detrimentally uh, affected and negatively affected by the war on cannabis and the war on drugs, you know, uh, have have an opportunity to um, have a leg up against the system that held them down. So um, when we talk about equity programs on my tours, I've I've got to be careful with with like how I explain it or why I ex- or how I explain it to people because a lot of people a don't know what an equity program is whether they're from the United States from another state in the United States or they're from another country they have no idea that that exists and so when they're from like you know uh, you know Georgia or you know the Midwest or wherever Colorado even Colorado um and I say like oh Cal- you know San Francisco's equity program dot 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 is or you know whatever um they they give me this like blank look and then i've got to take two steps back and say well this is the equity program this is why we do it this is how we do it and so uh a lot of people really appreciate that 
But for a lot of people, yeah, they are conflicted. They're like, you know, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I like weed, but like, why should why should we be doing all these things for for people of? Uh, and I, I don't even think people uh, people understand like the war on drugs and the people of color. People don't understand like war on women and the war on drugs, and people don't understand the war on <laughs> students and the war on drugs. These are all very real. Uh, war on youth and the war on drugs. Like if you're just a young person, you're more you're you got a much higher propensity to be arrested for for possession than you ever would as a thirty plus year old. So oh, if you're walking the same line, those are the numbers. So you know it's it just to me it's it's one of those cases where when you talk about equity, you also have to read the room because everybody yeah. you need to kind of meet people where they're at there. One hundred percent. I feel like I'm definitely. Um, a minority in the equity group, you know, as far as being a white woman, you know, and uh, for me, it's like, there's times when I'm like, Hey, I did my time. You know, I, I, I did my time. I also lived for 15 years with the wrong felony charge on my record, which I didn't find out until I applied to and went through my live scan process to be a cannabis cultivator. And I was disqualified for that. You know, like the fact that I was disqualified for another state's, you know, clerical error. And right. that I had right at the beginning of the line, I'm like, like there's lots of different ways that we could be negatively affected. And, and I qualified on a number of, you know, boxes as far as being a hundred percent woman and owned operated. I mean, but it is, even uh, almost an eye opener and pushing the envelope to sit in a room of equity operators and for them to be like, well, how did you qualify? You know? And I'm like, well, let me tell you how I, <laughs> I did have a lot of people from Washington. This, it was inter- not very many people from Colorado, more people from Washington. And it's really interesting. A lot of people from Arizona who, because uh-huh. they just people, they want to come and they are seriously like, well, we have been smoking low THC. Yeah. Oh, I'm from Arizona. Their weed sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people, a lot of tourists come here and they're like, well, I am laid oh, out. I, I'm with it. I'm with yeah. it. I, I have a lot of guests recently. To them. I have a lot of more Ripley. recently, like in, in the past year has been a lot of domestic customers versus other years where I've had a lot of international customers, but at least this year, I got to tell you, the number of guests I get below the Mason-Dixon line, south, south of the border, right? Mm -hmm. The below the Mason-Dixon line, it's probably close to like 75 to 80% of my customers in the past year have been southern states with zero access to legal cannabis Mm -hmm. and they're out vacationing, they're out tripping out and, and, you know, on the West coast. And, and I got to tell you, the first thing they do is book a weed tour because it's kind of intimidating for them to go from zero to a hundred percent, you know, from zero, zero in Dallas to a hundred percent in San Francisco. Uh, They They, need somebody to walk their hand through it. They walk, hold their hand through it. So it's just amazing how many more of those kinds of requests I get almost on a weekly basis now. How are you able to like balance? You got all the farm chores and the tours and you got harvest season coming up. How do you balance this all? It's been pretty 
good that Matt has been on a pretty um, consistent schedule of 10.30 and 3.30. And so by 10.30, I'm pretty much winding down my morning chores. I've, you know, if there's any hand watering, I'm done by then, you know, 10.30, I'm ready to kind of do my computer work in the heat of the day when the sun's like right over the garden and, you know, clean the house and then I'll go back out. If I don't have another tour at three, I'll end up going back out at like five and working maybe till eight thirty or nine. Oh, and okay. that it, it's not like major labor. Honestly, people are, are always asking me like how many, how many hours a day do you spend in the garden? People are always like, what you do all of this by yourself. And I don't know if I'm, I've always been a workhorse. Um, labor to me is, you know, this type of work, gardening work, labor, which might be like treacherous to other people, like moving mulch, shoveling wheelbarrows and wheelbarrows of mulch, you know, like balances and refocuses season. (laughs) Nature. I'm able to find a Zen in it, you know, and let my mind wander. Like, and, and it's just been part of my rhythm forever. So I do, I, I try to say, you know, like it's important to make the workload something that you can enjoy. And I definitely, you know, when people ask me how many hours a day do you spend? And I'm probably like, I don't know, really on average, four to six. I mean, there's certain times in the spring and in the, you know, harvest that it's definitely like 10 hours, but most of the time I'm, I still get to have, I don't go on summer trips. You know, I don't really like go far away from the farm in the summertime, but you know, I'm still able to like go down and swim at the river. I still have time to be a good mom. You know, my daughter's, you know, an excellent student, you know, it's like, I still, it's, I, there are moments where I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, I don't know if I could do this there. I had a few pumps kind of go out and I had to replace some of my pumps, um, this year. And that was a little bit of a stress, but I mean, for the most part, I'm like, seriously, like turning on music, having my coffee, smoking a joint and like literally like dancing in the garden. Well, I believe it. <laughs> I awesome. believe it. you're the That's way you awesome. plant and everything, like it all is intentional anyway. So you know that it's not going to need a whole bunch they, of they maintenance. Did. Yeah, it does. I didn't forget it. Yeah. I mean, it does. When you have your soil balance, I mean, people are like, how often do you pH your water? And I'm like, never. And they're like, what? See, Victor, yeah, never. I have to See, pH my never. water. What are you crazy? That's but, Comes out like eight point three out of the tap. It's insane. I'm not. I'm not coming from a city that's getting you know reclaimed, treated water. You know, water. It's like I I realize that there's people who have to like fill a trash can full of water and let it off gas. Hello, yeah, that's me. That's me. People are like and. Uh, there's been times that I've given the answer. I'm like, it's more magic than science. And people don't like that answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I as the nitty gritty, because people don't, you know, people really want to know they're there. They paid to know. And I can't give them a bullshit answer like that. But yeah. sometimes it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. to say. <laughs> It's all sparkles and unicorn farts for the most part. That's how we get these plants to grow so well. Yeah, and moonlight anyway. and meteor shower dust. And meteor shower dust. So yeah. So anyway, season, as we wrap up our 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 our, our amazing episode today, 
give us our outlook for the future. What do you what do you look for? What are you looking forward to in the future? What are you looking forward to seeing happen in cannabis tourism in 2023? For me, I really want to see farmers markets happen. And um, you know, I'd love, of course, I live next door next door to a designated cannabis event space. So if I could see more educational events, more um, farmers markets happening at that larger property next door, and I could be a sweet little annex to that, or I, I would love to see tours of maybe more focused tours like women um owned farms or sun and earth owned form farms. I, we dabbled a little bit in the curated experiences this summer with a few different, um, alliances. Soul spirit did the awesome Emerald triangle revealed and then social, um, spas did the, um, Humboldt holiday. And it was like soft launch, maybe not a lot of as much response as we wanted, but I think that those types of, you know, curated all inclusive tours could be a thing, you know? Um, so definitely willing to explore all of those different avenues. You know, I was happy to, to always be able to say yes to Matt this summer and, you know, just see how many we really handle. And so I, I want the the bathroom to be done to so where the people don't have to use a porta potty. I'd love to have a more developed event space to where we can keep people here for a little bit longer, you know, like have the tour, but also enjoy a meal with us. Like, you know, have the tour, but like, let's create an even deeper experience and relationship. So um, I'm just looking forward to developing the property with that, shipping container courtyard, outdoor kitchen area, and having more farm to table. I think next year I'll be able to do direct direct to consumer sales because of the size of my farm. So that's going to be a game changer. Honestly, everybody wants to, nobody understands why I can't sell them product from the farm. Like that's a big um, head scratcher for most, for most visitors. So close the, yeah. close the loop on that. Close yeah. the loop on that. So anyway, <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Season. Thank you so much, April, for thank being you. the awesomest sidekick in the podcasting world. Um, season, you. tell us your 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 high on tour hot take for season two, episode one. What I've learned in this cannabis tourism is that the plant is enough. You know, um, it it doesn't take it, it doesn't need a bunch of bells and whistles. You know, at first I was like, do I have to put a zip line down my row? No, people are, the plant is enough. They want to visit the plant being with the plant um, and access to just see it in its natural form to see it taller than them. I asked, I don't know how many people I asked this year, have you ever stood in the shade of a ganja tree? every single person said no. And so I was able to give them that experience. And that is something I think that they'll never forget. And all I did was grow a big plant and that's an experience. (laughs) So uh, the plant is enough, you know, let's, let's honor her in that way and not have to dress her up or pimp her out. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so (laughs) much for that. Season George, five sisters farm. Awesome to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. Have a great evening.